Welcome to the Buick Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Marion, and on this podcast, we dive deep into the outdoors. We discuss hunting and fishing techniques, give you tips and tricks, tell stories, and everything in between to help you enjoy the outdoors. Do you want outdoor apparel that's designed with a conscience? If so, check out Northbound Gear. They are a leader in creating innovative, sustainable, high-quality products designed to enhance your outdoor experience. Whether you hunt, fish, explore, camp out, or just enjoy nature, they'll have something that suits your needs. I've tried it all, and their adventure, water-resistant pants, explorer summer pants, the 2-in-1 zip-off pants, and the men's Apex waterproof jackets are all my favorite. I really can't decide which one I like more, and I wear them all daily. I've taken the gear bear hunting in the northern swamps of BC, hiking and fossil hunting on the river and waterfalls, and wore them out on the west coast fishing for salmon, halibut, prawns, and crabs. Not once have they let me down. Check them out at northboundgear.co and if you use my promo code SHELDON15 you will save 15% off your order including sale items. As an added bonus, they also plant one tree right here in Canada with every purchase. So again, that's northboundgear.co and use promo code SHELDON15 to save 15% off your order. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Buke Outdoors podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host Sheldon Marion. And uh, I think what I'm going to be starting out with this week is uh, one of my recent videos uh just because there's a lot of controversy around it and i ended up pulling it off of youtube uh what it was was a video on the charlie lake caves up here in northern bc uh right around charlie lake there is a small cave that's on the banks of charlie lake and uh a lot of the locals kind of know about it lots of people have gone to it and uh but other than that not not too many people have actually gone in there and uh there's lots of talks around it so i figured it'd be kind of a cool place to make a video uh turns out that it's on private property uh, i didn't know that it was on private property uh this is about the only yeah this is the only time i've ever gotten an actual letter pretty well like a cease and desist letter saying you need to pull this uh basically uh when you go out there there it's not fenced it's not cultivated and it is n- not signed whatsoever uh me and the heritage society or well the heritage society are the people that end up contacting me about it uh because when i do post my videos i like to spread it out and uh post it in other groups especially local places that i go to uh just to get public awareness of the places that i go get public interest something like this if there's public interest you're going to get funding for it the heritage society they contacted me uh they asked me to pull it down and they were kind of giving me grief about it they're saying that i was promoting vandalism and i was promoting uh going on to uh, public or uh, private property and trespassing which i wasn't whatsoever uh they kept kind of grinding me on why i was there and it was just to make a video get views 
show people where it is, you know, kind of educate people. I did research it a bit, and I talk about, you know, some of the the artifacts and stuff that were found there. And uh, yeah, they didn't uh, they didn't like that at all, especially seeing how I didn't mention uh, whatever the native name is for the place and honestly it's because i have no idea how to pronounce it it's one of those uh it looks like three names kind of jammed into one like i'm not even gonna attempt to say it because i just don't want to mangle it but uh yeah they were they weren't too happy about that uh but i told them that i would be interested in going back there and reshooting doing another film uh Pretty well getting a hold of the Heritage Society, lining everything up, if they were willing to put up signs. Uh, with that being said, they said that there is signs there, and there is contact info, so I went back there. There's no signs. Uh, so to say that it irritated me quite a bit is an understatement, Uh so going forward in the future, I have zero plans whatsoever to do a reshoot there. And it's basically because I did my part of the deal. They're not upholding their side of the deal. So the hell with them. Uh, if they want public interest, they can do it themselves. You know, I, I tried to... I didn't even really try to help them out because I didn't know they actually existed. Uh, but I did try to get people interested in the caves again, which I did. Uh, the, that video was up for like two days and I think it got around 1300 views and on my computer, I have a little app download on there where it says like how many likes on social media and how many shares and all that stuff. And I think Facebook alone, it was something crazy, like 300 likes on that one video just from Facebook and like typically my views that I get within the first two days are anywhere between like 100 to 200 maybe views in the first two days and then like the likes and shares on Facebook I don't even pay attention to that stuff it's so minimal but uh yeah it was it was skyrocketing and it was getting shared all over the place uh one thing I noticed though too is as soon as somebody said anything about it being on private property, all of a sudden it was kind of like what I was talking about in the last podcast where people just kind of came out of nowhere and just kind of piled on to that. And, uh, yeah, they kind of, you know, they tried to feed me to the wolves kind of thing, but I could care less what they say or think or whatever because in my honest opinion, I, you know, I went to a spot that's, I've been there many times. Not once have I ever seen any signs whatsoever. I haven't even heard about the Heritage Society. Uh, supposedly they're building a museum up on top of the hill. Uh, so the other day I drove in there. It looks like a dump. You know, they're not doing anything to to, uh, to actually preserve it at all. So I think their main concern was that I didn't mention them. And also, it is private property, which I understand. I don't want people to come onto my private property. So, out there, it's no difference. But, 
at least let the public know that it is uh, private, which it's, there's no signs at all, not even at the entrance of the cave. If you've seen the video, you walk up a little trail, you get to the entrance of the cave, and there's absolutely nothing there. There's no signs, there's no fencing, you know, it's, oh well. I'm kind of I'm kind of over it now. We're gonna move on from that. Uh, I got a pile of videos already uploaded and scheduled to come out, so we're gonna sh just gonna tuck that into the uh, lesson learned pile. And uh, yeah, next time there's anything kind of anywhere near close to to houses or in the town or whatever, maybe do a little bit more research and. Uh, yeah, make sure that you're not on private property. Uh, but anyways, moving on from there, uh, one thing I really want to talk about, seeing how it is hunting season, and uh, there's a lot of us that uh, carry bows during rifle season, is something that happened in Colorado here this last week. There was a 31-year-old guy who was bow hunting, and in this specific spot, the bow hunting season overlaps the black powder rifle season. And two things I heard. One was this older gentleman who is 67 years old. Uh, he was calling elk. Uh, one thing said he thought a predator was coming in. So once he's seen a little bit of movement in the bush, he shot. Uh, the other thing that I read was he was calling elk again, but he seen a little bit of white. So before identifying his target, again, he shot. Unfortunately, uh, what he shot at was a 31-year-old man who was bow hunting. Uh, during bow season, you don't have to have uh, blaze orange or pink on in Colorado. Uh, and unfortunately the 31 year old guy, he, uh, passed away. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty sad thing, but at the same token, the guy who is 67 years old, who it sounds like been a hunter his whole life, he really needs to get his bell rung. That guy, I mean, it was... In the long run, it was an honest, honest accident. But for something like that, that's an honest accident where you should rot in jail for. Uh, man, you can't be just taking pop shots out in the bush like that. Uh, it seems like it's happening more and more these days. I don't know if people are just getting stupid, frustrated, anxiety, tired, or what the case is, but... If you can't handle yourself while you're in the bush and you have a loaded firearm in your hands, stay the hell out. We do not want more issues like that happening. Uh, it seems like every year it's becoming more and more common. And the unfortunate thing is, is like, I don't even think wearing blaze orange or hot pink would fix that. Because a lot of people, they shoot first ask questions later uh one thing that i heard a lot when i was growing up as a kid was 50 50 chance it's a bull it was kind of funny back then uh but at least 
when somebody said that, they were at least looking at a moose. Where now people are basically saying 50-50 chance it's not a human and they're shooting. Uh, I'm pretty sure it wasn't too long ago there was an incident out by, once they Pink Mountain, where a guy was on a red Honda Quad and he got shot at twice. That, to me, that sounds kind of more or less like <laughs> attempted murder instead of an idiot with a gun. But, man, if you guys are out there hunting, you you got to make sure that you're identifying your target. Especially in areas where it's you have to identify whether it's a cow or a bull. And if it is a cow, you have to count points. You know, you can't be just shooting at whatever moves in the bush. I mean... Man, it could be your kid out there walking around that followed you from the house kind of thing, and you're going to blast your own kid. You know, good luck sleeping if you did that. But, uh, yeah, I, I just kind of wanted to bring that up and get that out of the way. If you are going to be hunting, you know, pay attention. If you're too lazy to do that, stay home. Take up, you know, I don't know, sewing or something. But please don't come into the bush where basically I live if you're going to be uh, handling a rifle like that. But anyways, let's move on from that. Let's talk about the old 6.5 pipe. I seen an article the other day about that new 6.5 Western. And, man, I... Why is it that we have to reinvent the wheel? The amount of new rifles and stuff that are coming out these days, it, man, you can't keep up. I'm still stuck on the old, uh, well, there's a 6.5 Creedmoor, 6.5 by 55, 6.5 by 300, 6.5 Western. Uh, the crazy thing is when you look at these, the 6.5 in my mind, it's, it's just kind of useless. Uh, you know, if you're going to buy that, just buy a 308 or something. But that's just my honest opinion. I kind of like the 308s, the 30-06s, 7mm, 300, 270. You know, I like the old classics where it's kind of like a one-and-done. Other than the 300, that's a bit big for things like deer and stuff. But everything else, you buy one rifle and you're good to go. You can hunt anything in North America, basically. Uh, so when it comes to these uh, new calibers coming out, if you, even if you look at the ballistics, uh, they're not. They're, they there's nothing that really stands out for me. Like, uh, I love the oddball calibers. Uh, before two fifty seven Weatherby got real big again, I had one of those. I bought that when I was in my teens i want to say maybe 16 or 15 or so is when i bought my 257 and then when i was around 18 i think is when it kind of came back and exploded again uh but for me like it was something that actually stood out it shot faster and flatter than pretty well everything out there and now everything new coming out it's all kind of within like the 100 feet per second kind of a gap like there's nothing i don't know it's a new thing that comes out which is kind of cool new toys uh but 
I, I don't know. I, I think things are moving a little too quick. Uh, even with Nozzler, they came out with the uh, 26 Nozzler, 28 Nozzler, 22 Nozzler. Uh, what do you got now? The 30 Nozzler and the 33. You know, and I get it. There is competition and stuff, but uh, I, I don't know if it just people's attention spans or what it is there, but, you know, we don't need a new caliber every year. These these companies, too, and, like, I get it, you know, trying to keep up with the competition and all that stuff, but really, there's, there's so little wiggle room to go with this. Like, I don't know, it is cool to get kind of a new toy kind of a thing and new ballistics to try out. If you're a hand loader, it would it'd be pretty cool then. But I think for the majority of people, you know, we just go to the store, buy a box of bullets, and uh, away we go. So when it comes to, like, the 6.5 Creedmoor versus the 6.5 Western, if you look at the ballistics, yeah, sure, there is that slight little bit of difference. But for the most part, like, the 6.5 Western... If you're going to buy that, just get like the 270 short mag. Those short mags are actually really cool. Uh, except the 300 short mag. I didn't really like that. I had one of them. And I, I'm pretty sure that's the only gun that I've actually sold. I I didn't like that one. One little bit. Uh, but the 7mm short mag and the 270 short mag. Those ones, these, those were pretty nifty when they came out. Uh basically a magnum power in a short action it was pretty cool you know i'm actually very surprised that those ones uh weren't the ones to take off uh especially at the 7mm short mag look at the ballistics there i'm pretty sure that one actually outperformed the 7mm remington magnum i think don't quote me on that one you'd have to double check that for sure but uh why that one didn't uh, absolutely take off like some of these other little oddball things is beyond me. I'd much rather have a 7mm short mag than a uh, a 6.5 Creedmoor. That 6.5 Creedmoor, it seems like it got a lot of hype for uh, target shooters, which is great. You know, it's an extremely accurate round. Uh, but then when people started using it for hunting purposes... Uh, you know, like, it's it's a perfectly fine round to use for hunting. And again, it, it does fit within, like, a three oh eight size uh, caliber. Where, yeah, technically you can take pretty well anything in North America with it. The problem is, is people are kind of getting the threads crossed with the hunting round and the long distance uh, rounds that they use. The 6.5, you know, it was designed for target shooting and target shooting at long range. However, at those ranges, that bullet's moving so slow. The chance of you actually killing something with it out at like a thousand yards is extremely thin. But people are trying to use it for that purpose and it is completely and utterly wrong. Uh, one thing I've noticed coming up here too in the, just the last few years is the crave for uh, long range shooting and 
honestly, I got the Bug 2 a few years ago. That's basically why I bought my 257 Weatherby. Uh, you know, I would practice out to 600 yards. I was comfortable shooting at an animal up to 500 yards. And other than that, you know, I'm not I'm not pushing my luck. There's so many variables that go into it. And unless you actually shoot a lot, not these people who quote-unquote shoot a lot, but if you actually shoot a lot, you're going to know that taking a shot past 400 yards is extremely difficult and only very trained people should be doing it. Uh, with my Weatherby, if it was a perfectly calm day, anything within 500 yards was basically dead. I had no problem shooting that thing up to 500 yards. Uh, you know, my one moose, it was 489 yards. I hit him in the lungs, hit him in the neck, and then I went for a headshot to put him down, and I clipped his jaw off. So that's pretty accurate. Uh, but other than that, I, uh, I shot a cow elk at 400 yards with it, and then everything else has been you know, within 200 yards kind of a thing. And I don't know if, if, I think it's like the bragging rights. It is pretty cool to be able to say, yeah, I shot my moose at 500 yards. But the problem is there's just way too many people that are doing it without actually uh, basically training for it because you can't just pick up a gun, go out and pull the trigger and call yourself a, marksman or whatever you want to call yourself right you know i went through thousands and thousands of rounds through my 22 to the point where i burnt the barrel out burnt the extractor out and pretty well ruined the gun uh and then i went through again thousands of rounds with my 257 weatherby where i've burnt the barrel out of that too so i have done a lot of shooting <laughs> i did do a lot of quote-unquote training. I didn't get like professional training at all, but I was extremely confident with that gun. If I went to the range and if I didn't have a three-shot group that were cloverleaf and my group was, was bigger than half an inch, it was a very bad day at the range. For the most part, a three-shot group out of that gun, it was about 300 thousandths of an inch, like 0.3 of an inch. So half an inch is five hundred thousandths of an inch. So it's it was a really small group. Every single bullet was touching. And a two fifty seven, you know, if you look at the the actual measurements of it, is point two five seven of an inch. So when your group is around point three to point five, that's pretty close. <laughs> it's pretty tight. You know, it's not much bigger than the same bullet that I went through. Uh, so yeah, you need to know a lot of techniques to be able to get groups that tight. You know, when it comes to proper trigger pull, breathing, uh, just the position of your, your body, a lot goes into it. You can't just pull the trigger and call yourself a, a marksman. You know, it, it takes a lot of work and even more fucking bullets. You can't just kind of go willy nilly. And speaking about my old 22, uh, you know, right now it is chicken season. Uh, a lot of times the conversation of uh, shotgun versus rimfire comes up. 
to me, if you're starting out, I would highly suggest shotguns. Uh, maybe not a 12 gauge. Stick with the small, like 20 gauge kind of a thing. Uh, you know, really, you're going after chickens. They're easy to shoot. You're within 20 yards. You know, you don't need that big power of a 12 gauge. The 20 gauge is plenty big enough for uh, for chickens. And then once you kind of basically once as you start getting good at shooting there with your 22 or your 17 or your 22 Magnum, uh, and you're starting to get accurate, then I would definitely suggest getting a 22. And you don't even need a real expensive one, just one that's kind of, whatever, a couple hundred bucks. And uh, use that. Uh, as long as you're able to shoot them in the head, it is so much funner than using a shotgun in my mind. Uh, you know, you actually need a little bit of skill. You're going to miss quite a few of them, but when you do smack them, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good feeling if you're if you're new to this. Or even if you're an old timer and you just like having a bit of a challenge, swap from a shotgun to a 22, and man, it's a blast. Uh, me growing up, we always used 22s. Uh, I used Dad's 22 Magnum quite a bit when I was younger, but uh, that one was that had a bit of a disadvantage. It's an old M77 uh, Ruger. And you can't adjust the trigger on that one. And I I want to say the trigger is set at like six or seven pounds. Like it is so hard to pull that trigger and stay steady. So yeah, growing up you missed quite a bit of chickens when we had the old twenty two Magnum out. And unfortunately for Dad, I'm pretty sure he could have bought a new twenty two with the amount of money that we wasted on twenty two Magnum shells. It wasn't cheap when you miss about nine times out of ten shots, but uh, a lot of fun shooting at them, anyways. At least nowadays with the with the twenty two and for how much shooting I've done and stuff, you know it's it's wicked fun. Uh, and then with the uh, the new caliber that seventeen HMR that came out, uh, it's been a, quite a few years now, but uh, you know that one, it's a pretty wicked little chicken gun. As long as you're kind of in wide open areas, uh, once there's any kind of brush or grass or anything like that, it gets uh, pretty pretty tricky. That little 17 bullet there, it it's moving so fast and it's so light and small. Any little piece of grass or wind or anything like that, it deflects it and it sends her to the moon like it's gone. Uh, that's where the 22 is quite a bit better because it takes a lot to deflect them uh one of my recent videos i don't know if it'll be up on youtube yet when this one comes out i don't i don't think it will be uh but there was two spruce hens that were up in a spruce tree uh and basically i shot through a bunch of branches and crap on both of them and i got them both in the head so uh yeah i'm I'm positive if I had my 17, I would have missed both of them because it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty tight shooting in there. <laughs> for uh, for distance wise too, 
the 22 and the 17, they are pretty damn close uh, when it comes to how far you can actually shoot at chickens. Uh, with the 22, I've taken 60 and 80 yard shots at chickens and smacked them in the head with it, uh, and that's stretching it. With the 17, it's basically the same. That 60 to 80 yards, you're stretching. Uh, last year, I shot two of them at 100 yards. But when you're getting out that far, the gun is fully capable of doing it. But it's, you're basically relying on just pure luck at that point in time. Uh, they're so far out there. Uh, the slightest little wind and it's going to be you know, an inch to the left or whatever, and you're just going to completely miss. Plus, their heads are so small. And, like, the scopes that I run, they're 3 to 9 by 32 on my uh, rimfire rifles. Even on my center fires, you know, my hunting rifles, it's a 3 to 9 by 40. Like, it's, there's not a whole lot of zoom on those. You crank it to 9, and you can see their heads all right, but, ah... They're so far away. Once as you get past basically 60 yards, uh, you're leaning heavy on uh, just luck, really. Uh, there is quite a bit of skill involved hitting them that far out, but... Nah. <laughs> it's mainly luck. Let's just come to the terms of it. Uh, but it is uh, fall time. Uh, right now is a perfect time to be out picking cranberries i'm sure if you guys are out driving around with the window rolled down you'll smell them now that dirty dirty feet smell is disgusting but smells amazing at the same time you know you you can tell when you found the cranberries you can smell them uh we've been busy around here we went out we picked up uh i don't know how much that was it actually wasn't that many cranberries, maybe a liter or so of cranberries. And I was able to make four little 125 milliliter uh, mason jars of cranberry sauce. I kept two of them, gave one to my brother and gave one to my dad. Uh, and then also I made uh, rosehip jelly. Uh, this was the first time I've ever made it. It was a... Uh, it was an experiment right from the get-go. I've heard of people making rosehip tea before, and I've heard of the odd person making rosehip jelly, but it wasn't, it was never just rosehip. It was always like a marmalade, like it was rosehips, apples, and oranges kind of a thing. Uh, so we, we were having a bit of a lazy day the one day, and I said, hey, let's go into the yard, just pick uh, some of our rose bushes and see if we make jelly out of the rose hips and uh lo and behold it actually worked uh one thing that kind of surprised me was the the taste of it you know i've ate a lot of rose hips before and they've always had a bit of a bland flavor to them you know slightly sweet but nothing nothing to really pop out at you but as you're cooking this down and reducing it into the jelly uh it kind of got like a like a sweet potato kind of a 
carrot, strawberry with a bit of an earthy taste to it. And it's like, it smelt like fall. Like, I don't know. It's the weirdest explanation of a flavor <laughs> I've ever given. But it's, it is what it is. You know, and I was very surprised at how good it actually turned out. Uh, one thing that we learned uh, when we were about uh, three quarters of the way through is that rose hips have very little, if not, you know, zero natural pectin. Uh, and me being me, I'm kind of a weirdo where I don't like pectin. I I never have, so I've never used it. I've never bought it. It's not in the house. Uh, so when we got about three quarters of the way through, I figured, well, we're uh, either going to keep reducing this and it's going to thicken up or we're going to screw it all up. Uh, but we kept reducing it down, and it, it turned out actually not too bad. Uh, right near the end, though, it kind of starts to turn a little grainy on you for some reason. I don't know. It shouldn't have been from sugar because it was boiling, so the sugar would have been all dissolved in it. But, uh, yeah, it gets, it does thicken up, but it gets this weird, weird texture in your mouth, but it's, it still tasted fine, and, uh, it definitely doesn't deter you from eating it. Uh, one thing, though, too, is as it's reducing down, uh, we, we didn't have to put in too much sugar, but as it reduced down, like, that earthy flavor started to come out in it quite a bit, uh, so to fix that, I took lemon juice. I don't know how much I put in there because I just kind of dumped the bottle upside down, went around the pot two or three times and said about that much. So it's, oh man, I don't know, maybe an eighth of a cup, something around there for, geez, I don't even know how much syrup we had in there. Well, we ended up making four, four jars, so that's, uh, two fit, oh, that's, uh, jeepers. Two cups of syrup that we had. Uh, it was probably less lemon juice then. Eh, whatever. You'll have to watch the video to see. <laughs> but yeah, that lemon juice, the way it cut that earthy taste right out of it. It was, it was kind of crazy how quick that worked. But uh, yeah, that all turned out good. Uh, I think we kept three jars of that, and I gave one to my brother. I don't think he's had it yet, uh, so I don't know if he likes it or not. I'll have to tease him here one of these days. You know, one thing I've seen here this fall so far is that there's been a ton of elk hitting the ground. Uh, my prediction on very little to no moose, that definitely came true. Uh, you know, I, I didn't even buy a moose tag this year, uh, and... I, I know of maybe two people that got moose. There hasn't been too many that I've seen that actually got shot, which it's good, but it's bad at the same time. It's good that nobody's been shooting them, but it's bad because nobody's shooting them. So either very few people are hunting them this year, or there's uh, just none left, like I've been saying for the last probably six years or so and again it's a self-regulate thing uh last year 
I bought a moose tag and I kind of hunted them, but not really too much. I was mainly focused on uh, elk, but uh, this year didn't even buy a moose tag. You know, if I had a moose tag and I seen one that was legal, I'm sure I would shoot it. So this way, if I don't have a tag, the temptation, it's its not even there. It's gone. Uh, but with that being said, I'm noticing that the numbers are down. Same thing with everybody else. Everybody wants to whine and cry and complain about the low moose numbers. But yet, people still buy their moose tags and they still go out and they still hunt them and they still shoot them. So it's like, I don't know. Pick one side or the other. You know, piss or get off the pot kind of a thing. Either complain about the moose numbers and do something about it, or shut up and just keep hunting them. You know, it, you can't be in the middle. So for me this year, I took a right-hand turn and I said, nope, I'm not hunting them. And uh, so far, you know what, I, I've actually been enjoying it. I've been kicking back and relaxing, hunting chickens like crazy, cutting firewood, relaxing at home. I'm not waking up stupid early in the morning. I haven't even gone on an elk hunt. I don't even have my elk tag. I got deer tags and stuff, but right now I'm happy and content just driving around with the dogs and the woman going after chickens. It's been a great fall. Uh, I never thought I would say that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, some days uh, life throws you a curveball, I guess. you know. Hopefully uh, one of these days... Jeepers. Hopefully one of these days, though, I can uh, just hunt deer on Vancouver Island or something like that. That'd be pretty cool. Go anchor up somewhere and hang out for a week or two and just bow hunt some blacktail deer or is it Sitka or Axis deer that's down there. One or the other. I don't even know. I'd have to look into regulations and stuff. I'm pretty sure there's a there's a spot kind of down by Victoria where there was like I want to say there was no bag limit and no closed season. I can't remember what that's for, but man, that would be pretty cool. Especially if there was like a huntable number around there or an actual place to hunt them at. That would be pretty cool. You know, middle of January or February or whatever and just kind of park the boat somewhere and take your dinghy on shore and say, well, I'm going to go hunt a deer today. <laughs> uh, that would be pretty cool. Uh, well, guys, uh, you know, every, every little podcast here, I like to give you guys a bit of an update on, uh, kind of like the YouTube and business side of things. Uh, part of this whole kind of, I don't know if you want to call it a journey or what, but part of this whole thing, you know, it wouldn't happen if it wasn't for you guys either listening to it like you are right now or watching this on YouTube, you know, if you are just watching it on YouTube and you got things to do, you can listen to this on all major podcast platforms. You know, we're on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Uh, What else is there? Podbean. You know, we're we're kind of all over the place. And uh, I like to give you guys updates on what's going on because... You know, as I'm growing, you guys, like, the fans and the people that are there that have been supporting this right from the beginning, you know, I like to keep you involved so you actually know what's going on. Kind of 
uh, I don't know, it kind of keeps us all together, kind of a thing, you know. Uh, I think today we're at 945 subscribers, so we are very, very close to being able to get monetized. Uh, you know, in the last, in the last 30 days, we've gotten, I think, 103 subscribers. We've got, I believe, 11,000 views. And our total views for the channel is up around 97,000. Uh, and then also our watched hours in the last 30 days, it's 730 some watched hours. You know, that's hard to imagine that in 30 days, people have watched our YouTube channel 700 hours. That's just, that's just incredible. So, yeah, we are just, we're so close to being monetized. We are right there. Like, you can, you can smell it. <laughs> uh, one thing that I need to look into here now, too, uh, just so I don't kind of burn myself in the future, is I'm going to be looking into getting a business license. Uh, well, I'm going to back up a little bit. I'm going to go and talk to a business advisor first. Uh, the way this stuff works with YouTube monetization, the affiliate marketing, online store, technically it is all one big business, uh, but I have no clue how to go about it. So I want to get a business advisor, uh, go and talk to him, see if I actually need a business, business license, uh, if I need a business bank account, uh, just go through everything, you know, cross all my T's, dot all my I's to make sure that I'm pretty well nice and lined up. And that way there's no issues with like the revenue agencies and all that junk and garbage and then come tax season and stuff. Uh, you know, I want to make sure I got everything lined up so there's no surprises for me. Uh, you know, our affiliate sales, they've been pretty well nice and steady. Uh, with Northbound Gear, uh, the other guys that I'm affiliated with, unfortunately, they don't really have a program where I can see anything or get any updates, really. Uh, so in the future, there's a good chance I'll be uh, kind of swapping those guys out for someone else. Uh, just because I like to be able to see uh, how many people visited the website through my links. Or see how many people have used my links and codes and stuff. And see how much money is sitting there and waiting for me. Where these other guys. It's basically word of mouth. So when it's uh, when it's run by like word of mouth and stuff. You know there's. I have a bit of trust issues when it comes to uh, business and money. And things like that. You know especially if some guys don't really particularly like you. Kind of a thing. Or you've done things or whatever to irritate somebody here and there kind of a thing so it's yeah I like the way that uh, other guys run it where you open up the page you log in with all your info you can see how many views it's gotten or how many orders were put through and all that good stuff and then that way they're honest with you and there's no 
you know, there's there's no headaches involved, really. It's a very easy, cut-and-dry, simple solution. And uh, it makes dealing business much easier. Uh, and then with that, there's our merchandise. Uh, we have that online store that we just opened through Spreadshirt. And it's doing surprisingly very well. Uh, I think it's doing very well, uh, especially for how uh, how new it is. Like, we're not we're not generating a big income whatsoever at all but uh you know we got these we got these hoodies uh insulated mugs we got shirts hats uh bags pillows there's a whole pile of stuff on there if you guys want to check that out there'll be a uh, link in the description below for you that you can check out uh and again with that it's set up basically kind of like how Northbound Gear is set up, but slightly different uh, because I'm the one that generates the sales, basically. Uh, so then when I do that, I can see what items are, are uh, selling the most, what items don't sell at all. I can separate it to which designs have been selling good. And there are... There are a few things that I might change, or I might just leave them up there, just just have them up there, kind of, uh, you know, give people the option of buying other things other than what, you know, other than, like, having my my compass and logo on there. I got the one where it's, well, it's still the compass, but says always follow your compass underneath it instead of Buick Outdoors. Uh, I made some things, I made up some designs for, uh, for like kids and toddlers and stuff, you know, one's a happy camper, the other one, I think it says baby bear, the other one says little explorer and stuff. So I, I thought I'd throw that on there just to kind of have it on there in case you want something for your kids. But uh, it seems every week we've been getting, well, no, maybe every two weeks we've been getting an order. Uh, so it's, again, it's a brand new store. You know, I advertise it on on the podcast and on YouTube so some people know about it I have it on my uh my Facebook page and I've shared it with you know I think maybe two groups kind of thing on Facebook so it is out there but it's not very well known plus you know you got to come to terms I'm not uh I'm not a great huge name brand I don't pay for advertising or anything like that you know so uh in order to get, you know, one or two sales every couple of weeks, I'm happy with that. You know, I'm, my expectations, uh, I have expectations, but they're not set extremely high. You know what I mean? I, I'm not saying that we're going to be able to retire off of just sales alone from our online store, especially the way that's set up. There's a bottom line cost, like this... Uh, insulated water bottle I'm drinking out of I think it cost something like $18 or $20 to get it and then after I put my little uh sale on there which is like I don't know it's a couple bucks that I make you know you would have to sell like thousands of these things to really make any money you know, 
they take their cut, I take my cut, which is not much at all. Because when you first set up a spreadsheet, everything is set to where you make $5 per item. The problem with that is, like, this hoodie that I'm wearing, instead of it being, like, I think I have it set for 40 bucks on the website. Instead of being 40 it was automatically set for, like, 50 or 55 or something crazy like that. Uh, these water bottles, it said being $22. I think it was something like 30 or 35 or something crazy. You know, it was... I could have made more money per sale, but then the amount of sales would be down. I'd rather make 10 sales and make $10 instead of do 5 sales and make $10. You know what I mean? So, uh... Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's just one of those business things where if you're paying attention, you're able to do it, and you also can't be greedy about it. Uh, you know, if I make a dollar or two per sale, I'm I'm happy with that. You know, basically, the merchandise isn't really there for me to make money. I'm using the merchandise for free advertisement, basically. If you're walking around with this cup or with this sweater on or one of the hats or the t-shirts or whatever, eventually somebody's going to ask you what it is. You know, it, <laughs> I have no problem telling you guys that I'm basically using you for advertisement because really that's that's all that a merchandise store is. Uh, it's merchandise that you pay for, or it's advertisement that you pay for and you wear. The only upside is with Spreadshirt, uh, it's not cheap Chinese knockoff crap. Uh, the hoodies that I ordered, this one was Hanes. All the shirts that I've ordered, they've all been Fruit of the Loom kind of a thing. You know, so they, they are actually half-decent shirts, so you can feel pretty good about that. Uh, this water bottle, I've been drinking water out of this constantly since I got it. And that's not a sales pitch. I don't know, for some reason it just tastes better. Uh, the stainless steel, it, you, I don't, you just don't taste the plastic or whatever the case may be. But uh, yeah, the online store, you know, I really appreciate if you guys uh, buy stuff out of there. Again, it's not to make me any money, hardly at all. Like if you buy a... If you bought the hoodie, I think I get three dollars, three bucks from a thirty-seven dollar hoodie or whatever the price is. I'd have to look again, but uh, yeah, it's definitely not a get-rich scheme whatsoever. And I'm one hundred percent honest with you. If you guys have any questions about this stuff, uh, send me a message on Instagram or Facebook or leave a comment on our YouTube page or on our YouTube channel. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm not too sure how the comments work when it comes to the podcast side of things. Uh, there is a section on Podbeam that I list all my stuff through. There is a comment section there, but I haven't actually got any comments through it. Uh, so either the comments don't work or nobody's commented on it i'm not too sure it's kind of hard to tell but uh yeah if you guys have any questions concerns comments 
If you want to give me ideas to talk on for the next podcast, uh, the best way to get a hold of me is either through Facebook or Instagram. And, uh, yeah, I'll definitely get back to each and every one of you that uh, has something to say. And, uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you guys for watching. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, make sure you like the video and subscribe to the channel. If you don't, totally fine. That's up to you guys. Just remember that every Friday there's a new video that comes out. And every second Monday this podcast comes out. And then what I've been trying to do is the odd Monday, I'll put up some random video too, just to kind of stay relevant with the times. Uh, right now, I think I have stuff scheduled until November 19th, or I don't know, one of the last Novembers, or the last Fridays into November. And uh, unfortunately, by doing that, you know, there's going to be like, fossil hunting and chicken hunting into the end of October and into November and we're still in September uh, so every once in a while I'll throw something up like a, a chicken hunt or something like that or well whatever's in season basically I'll throw that up onto uh, onto one of the Monday videos but anyways uh, yeah if you're listening to this on one of the podcast platforms please give us a rating one star five star whatever just be honest uh and also let us know how we're doing always like to hear from you guys and uh yeah that's about all i got for you guys so please like and subscribe to the channel and we'll catch you on the next one